It's the 30th of July and International Friendship Day. The International Day of Friendship was proclaimed in 2011 by the UN General Assembly with the idea that friendship between people, countries, cultures and individuals can inspire peace efforts and build bridges between communities. The resolution places emphasis on involving young people as future leaders in community activities that include different cultures and promote international understanding and respect for diversity. The world faces so many challenges and crises. To confront these crises and challenges, we should promote a shared spirit of human solidarity that takes place in the simplest form of friendship. Friendship creates bonds of camaraderie and developing strong ties of trust. It is with a great deal of pleasure that we introduce our guest today, somebody that I've come to know well and am very proud to be associated with. It's Joel Laborte. Joel is the fitness ambassador and boxing coach at Fight With Insight and he has been involved with Fight With Insight since 2015. He designs the fitness program and mentors the youth of the inner city of Johannesburg. Welcome, Joel. Thank you very much for having me. Joel, the reason that we asked you to uh, come in today is that you and I have walked a path together and from a young man up into, up until yourself now as a not so young man, but still a young man, but you have gone from being a child to being an adult. And the thing I've noticed is that in that context, you have been able to develop very good and strong friendships within your community. You have used those friendships to positively inspire people. You've referred many people to the gym, brought many young people in. And in the the depth of the pandemic, you opened your own community to create in a positive peer culture. What for you is the importance of friends when you're developing from a young, well, let's say a teenager as a young male, to a young adult, what role do friends play? Well, it has to go with, um, you know, just being brought up and uh, being uh, transparent. Your friends do influence you. That's why uh, there was a saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So friends really, really have a big impact on us and it's part of, you know, it's a huge part of um, socializing. We need friends to socialize. We need friends to go out with. We need friends to do a lot of things. And that that has a huge impact on development. So friends play a very, very big role not just as uh, young people transitioning into adulthood, but from adulthood to elderlyhood as well. So they play a role throughout our our entire lives. Whether you have friends or not, you need to have friends to socialize, to to engage with, and um, to improve on so many things. Joel, I love that. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That couldn't be more true. And I think something very important, and um, as a young person, even, even as a much, much, much older person, there's a very big difference between friends and peers. And I think going back to that where you said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. How do you mentor young people to say, that person is a really bad influence in your life? You need to somehow, and it's, it's difficult, it's a difficult thing to do, almost remove yourself from being in that person's circle and rather seek out a circle that will be of far greater benefit and, and perhaps also have far less negative impact on your life. How, how do we tell our young people how to do that? 
I think that just comes with the environment that they're brought in because we need to know that these children don't really they don't really come from very very good backgrounds but when they step into the gym you know they just experience a whole new atmosphere a whole new environment and the mentors the the coaches and the peers as well they they console, consolidate them into knowing what is wrong and what is uh, not wrong or what is not what, sorry mm. what is what is right so they get into this kind of decision making process that you know aids them in the future to be able to tell right from wrong and that goes with the peers as well and the kind of people they associate themselves with. You can tell the difference in the personalities they get in the gym and the personalities they get on the streets. Mm -hmm. So that helps them really into sort of like making the good decisions and associating with good people, people that are going to help them, you know, develop a good future and, you know, just be successful in life. Someone, and once again, um, we, we interviewed Kim Potheater some time ago, and I think you'll like this analogy because it specifically speaks to boxing, actually. And it said, if you look at a boxing ring, specifically if there was a tournament, um, in your boxing ring there would be you and your opponent, and you'd have your people in your corners. So people that are very, very special to you. And then in the, uh, the audience, you'd have both. So you'd have those that are shouting for you, and those that are maybe shouting for your opponent. And I think it's a great way to look at it, that um, we need to choose well the people that are in our corner. As a mentor, how do you um, really communicate to the young people? And, and I know you're a fantastic mentor. And not only, as, as Luke said in the beginning, building the fitness programs, but you are building young people. How do you help them to know? Because even as adults, very often we don't know who to have in our corner. And very often we have the people from the cheap seats that are telling us what to do. And, and, and that's not a young person's um, problem. That, that is something that we need to learn as adults. People that are really not helping us. How do we stop the noise from the cheap seats? I think this just has to go with the ideology and sort of the way we, uh, we portray ourselves in the gym has the, the youth mentors. We have we daily engage with these young children. We spoke, we speak to them daily. We we help them in whatever the kind of you know the things that they ask us in. So, when it comes to that kind of aspect, I would say, you know, it's just it's just about being very observant. As a child, you learn by observing more than you learn. So, they they get told that uh, you know do this in school, do this, do that in school. But a child does not learn, you know, by writing things and by by learning. They learn by observing. So the way we portray ourselves at the gym is the way that the kids are going to learn and we don't really associate with bad people or people that are, you know that are going to help them you know make bad decisions or demotivate them in some kind of way so they learn by by observing what we're doing and they they do that in their daily lives and it just makes them better people better citizens in their communities and in the world over you know, Joel, when, when thinking about the community that you currently live in, there's always this stereotype that comes from the world about what it means to grow up in the inner city of Joburg. So Hillbrow, Berea, Bertrams, the, the areas that's, that you come from and walk through to get to the gym. How difficult is it to resist the influences of the negative role models in your community, the gangsters, the the guys who are on drugs, they appear to have all the women and the money and all that short the cars, all that short term uh, stuff that comes from sort of a life of crime. How difficult is it to resist that as a young person in the city? I won't lie, you know, our environments are very, very influential on the decisions that we make. 
but at the same time, I'm a law and criminology student, so there's a, there's a, a theory, I don't really know the name right now because I, I haven't rec recapped on that, but there's a theory that focuses on, you know, associations and peer, con you know, consultations, sort of to speak, if I'm saying it correctly. It's who you associate with in your circle and, you know, paying very much attention to the positive aspects of, of, of that category more than the negative aspects. So these children, they, they come to the gym often. When they get into the gym, you know, they, 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 they feel welcomed, you know, the environment of, of welcoming, you know, just sits upon them. And they become, you know, very, very attentive and they attend more and more and more and more. And with that attendance comes, you know, posit uh, positive um, influences. So they, they are surrounded by very, very good people. And whatever happens on the outside doesn't really matter because, you know, they have something to look towards to, you know, after school, during, um, during the day, on weekends. So their mindset is mostly influenced by boxing. And boxing, you know, is just really, really impacting them. And they don't really have a say on what happens outside. They don't really care about that because they have the, you know, the what can I say, the, the, the good ethics they learn from the gym, you know, just follows them wherever they go and they pack that into their lives. And it grows with them as two adults, and I'm a great example of that. I come from a very, very endurance um, neighborhood with very, very bad influences, you know, poverty, gangsterism, crime. And um, I've grown in a gym, and the ethics that I've been taught and the principles have just stayed with me and developed me into this very calm and serene person that I am today. So a lot of what you're saying then is the fact that it's actually our failure as adults often that our communities haven't offered young people the correct alternatives to develop a positive peer culture. And then we blame young people because they've made bad choices. But in fact, it's us as adults that haven't created opportunities for young people to express themselves to the best of their potential. You become a product of your environment, your influences, your your social circles. And um, we can't really blame um Parents, we can blame them, but we can't. At the same time, we really can't because you know, the economy is down. The, you know, the country we come from. You know, the crime rates are very, very high, and um, a few of the lucky ones get the opportunities to you know express themselves freely. And if they don't, we can't really blame them as well because you you are a product of your environment. And as for the ones that you know get the opportunities to express themselves, they become really, really good people, and and they can influence the ones that are you know not so lucky into getting into that kind of, you know, environment. So, yeah. So, the, the one thing that I've noticed with the young people at the gym is that we have had some that we have involved who have made, from your community, in fact, and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about when, when I explain it. We have some who come with great potential, but something happens where they choose to rather live in the street, um, take drugs, uh, not attend the gym anymore, regardless of their massive potential. Then we have others who aren't the greatest boxers naturally, but they come and they work incredibly hard. You know the two people I'm referring to because they're young people you and I have both worked with. What do you think makes the difference between that boy who chooses to join the street versus that boy who's not the greatest boxer on earth, but he chooses to come to the gym every day? That just has to go with, um, you know, personality. Hard work beats talent. And that's one thing that most of these children um, seemingly uh, lose as they get older as well. Hard work always beats talent. And the talented ones will always get, you know, get time to slack off and think that they can do this better than others. And the ones who work very, really hard are the ones who, you know, seemingly succeed in, in whatever field, 
you know they want to get into so it's not always about talent telling plus hard work equals success and these children seemingly don't understand that but as time goes you just say you know you, you reap what you saw and um the, your, be your benefits comes from your hard work and your sweat Joel, there are five pillars at the gym, and these five pillars have always been, for me, the, the, the thing that makes the gym so successful. I'm going to try and remember all five, but I'm going to ask you and Luke to help me. So firstly, respect for self and respect for others. Um, Pre-COVID, every time you came to the gym, um, each of the children would look you in the eye, which is something that Luke has, is really, really um, instilled in the children. Looking you in the eye is really about I have respect for myself. I am somebody. And they would shake your hand. Now, obviously, I think we do the whole um, elbow bumping thing, but respect for self and respect for, for others. The referee's decision is final. And I think it's, it's like that in life. Too often we, we fight and we fight and we fight. And at some point we have to walk away from the fight. So the referee's decision is final. Um, really impacts life when, um, at what point do you stop fighting? What happens in the gym stays in the gym. Um, Luke? <laughs> you pretty much got it, uh, Karen. So I, th I think that yeah, there's a set of um, principles and boundaries that are created to assist young people about how to think about themselves and the world they engage with. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing is that we keep talking about peer pressure. And we know that there is peer pressure. I mean, I was also, believe it or not, a teenager at one stage. And the ability to resist, as you say, the fight is the important thing. Because, you know, often people say, well, peer pressure, oh, you know, oh, peer pressure made me do this. But the truth is that, did it make you do it? Because if peer pressure can be a negative influence, it can also be a positive one. And I think the gym creates that by having a certain kind of person thinking in a certain way and that that ability, as Joel very eloquently said at the beginning, the ability to see children, he said, first observe, mm -hmm. the ability to see them. And once they're seen, suddenly they can see. Mm. So we've spoken quite extensively about choices that the children make, young people make. We all make choices. We make good choices and we make not so good choices. In terms of children that are in gangs, and, and Luke, you've done a lot of work around this, not only with gangs, but with cults as well. Um, in terms of how do we get children back if they are in a very negative friendship group, if they're in a gang, if they're in a cult, how do we get them back? I think just let's go with um, setting examples. So these children that are involved in gangsterism and, you know, crimes of all, all sorts are children of the same age that we have at the gym. So what we do is we really we just go very public. We train in parks. We 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 set up tournaments. You know that I I personally do um, once a month. We we do a lot of programs. You know a lot of practical programs that shows that kids their age actually being very very positive and very very influential in their communities. And they get to learn from that and they get to observe. You know the kind of you know the consequences, the the repercussions that they, the children um, that are very being positive are reaping compared to what they're doing and just look at themselves and they you know they, they ask themselves some do ask themselves what am i really doing and why am i doing this and we get to see a lot of changes these kids come to the gym and you know that a whole 360 degree you know just transformation just you know really really starts to happen so it's just about setting an example you know with with kids in their own age group and you know and the rest just falls into 
puzzle. Luke, obviously the gangs and the cults, they don't want to let the children go. So they will exercise undue influence over that child. Um, that, that is a massive battle because you, the gym is good and everything it stands for is good. And the gangs and cults are, are really evil at the end of the day and, and have really terrible influence on children who then do awful things. How do we also pull them back from, from that people who don't want to let them go? So I think what Joel says is, is absolutely critical. So there's a thing called reclaiming youth at risk. In fact, Joel, I must give you the, give you the reference. And it talks about what's called the circle of courage. Now, um, I think I posted yesterday, which won't be in line with today's podcast, but I posted in July something around the fact that, you know, being alive is an act of courage. And we have to wake up every day and you have to put one foot in front of the other in, a, in, in courage. And recognizing that when we get up and we show the courage to face the world, we have needs. And that children's behavior is the way they are talking to us. And us as adults have to listen to the behavior. So we have to say, what need are you meeting that we as adults are offended by? What are you protesting against in the world that I've given you that this behavior appears like a service delivery protest to me as an adult? I try and understand it. And if I can work out what the need is according to the circle of courage, I need to ask as an adult who is trying to reclaim, because the book's called Reclaiming Youth at Risk. Who's it by? Do you know it offhand? Yeah, it's Broken Leg and, and Sioux Native American and Brentro. So Brentro and Broken Leg. Fantastic book. And in fact, our government based all of their child and youth care programs around the circle of courage. And the big thing is the circle of courage is to reclaim. You're asking about how do we reclaim our young people. And the circle of courage has four levels to it. You, you need to be good at something. You need to have agency. So it's called Mastery. You need a sense of independence, and that's appropriate independence, which I'll, which I'll get to. You need a sense of generosity. You need to give because it's nice, and it serves me to give, not because I get something back from it. And in this context, you need to belong. Now, when you become an adolescent, which is the phase at which these children are most at risk for gangs and cults and all the other things, is they need to belong and develop an identity, and they're moving away from their parent base all simultaneously. So what need are you attempting to address when you join a cult, a gang, etc.? Number one, you want to belong. That's, that's the first thing. Cults, you want simple answers to very complex questions in life. Gangs, you might want instant gratification, access to women, cars, money, you know, drugs, etc., etc. But ultimately, the baseline need is to belong. And what we ask is three questions. If your need is to belong, is that need met, is it unmet, or is it distorted? So a child whose need for belonging is unmet is not leaving their room, okay? The ones we've, we've spoken yeah. about, withdrawn, depressed, and not introverted, because that's a different kind of child. Yeah. These are withdrawn, depressed children who don't leave their house. The, the second is the needs are distorted, so they belong to a gang, yeah. or their needs are met when they belong to a gym. So essentially what we do is we are in a battle for the soul of our boy children. It's literally for their soul. Because what happens is that if they get into that gang, I cannot get them out of it unless I meet the need that the gang is meeting. And I meet it in a way that is authentic. 
we talk about so the new big thing in trauma is um, am i authentic so there's attachment and authenticity so the the new big thing is am i authentic and authenticity is does this talk to me and i can't go and drag that child out and put them in a rehab and expect because that's never worked joel i mean all the young people we've had with that hasn't worked what i can do is i can offer something authentic and boxing is authentically male and there's not a crisis with masculinity there's a crisis with the toxicity of masculinity or the patriarchy or the misogyny or the other things that are masculinity but it's nice for young men to be authentically masculine okay and the problem with the gang is it's hyper masculine mm. so they want to belong and they want to be masculine so you don't open a ballet school you open a boxing school and what you do is you send a, the psychological foot soldiers out who are who then draw in the people that are at risk because it is them their peer group who will influence them more than me which is why psychological foot soldiers are probably our most powerful transformative force within the inner city and speaking of that, Joel, um, it's a conversation we had in the car this morning on the way here. When I first started working with, with Luke and Sherry all those years ago, I think that maybe there were 30 children at the gym on a Saturday, maybe. Now, what are you seeing on a Saturday morning? And, and where are the ch- what is encouraging the children to join you on a Saturday morning? Well, the numbers are very, very, very sparked. They've quadrupled, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And I think they just have to go with the word of mouth and, you know, the, the news that they're receiving, the, 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 the background information that they're receiving from the children that are already in the program. They just get to, you know, tell them what really is happening, the positive impact that they're receiving, and, you know, how it's, it comes with the fun as well. The children want to have fun, so they mostly inform the other kids about the fun that they're having with the training in the boxing and the you know the, the the peer groups that they have here they feel very very safe obviously so i think that those are the major major reasons that are really attracting more and more children and they're receiving a lot of help here as well mm-hmm. in all kind of aspects not not just one and um it's really really drawing in more and more and more and more children every 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 year if not every saturday so if ever you want to see i think it's a miracle of the inner city i really do fight with insight on a saturday morning um, it's an all-access inner-city gym. The children are not only given incredible supervision and mentorship, they are fed, they are given a wonderful meal. For those that are really, really at risk, there are food parcels that are made available to their families. And both you and Luke have said over and over, seeing, seeing. So the children are seen and they are heard. And that for me is so important. Each child who comes to you is an individual and they're treated as such. And in closing, I'd just like to say in as much as we've spoken a lot today about it being very male, there are also incredible programs for young women at Fight With Insight. We've spoken to Jennifer. There's a netball team that literally is on fire. They're doing incredible things. So, yes, it is for young men, but wonderful things happening with young men and young women, which I think also the organic learning then is for how young women treat young men and how young men treat young women. Absolutely. And I think my my concluding uh, comment is really, you know, we can get by with a little help with a little help from our friends. And sometimes the world is a dark place and it's particularly dark at the moment. And to have an enlightened witness to your life, somebody that you can bounce your your head and your darkness and your vulnerabilities off of is important. 
And Joel, I think that you know largely that's the role that um, that you young ambassadors play at the gym. So, what would be your final sort of message to the world around the importance of friendship in a vulnerable context like the city of Joburg? I would say um, people just need to be very, very attentive. You know, they need to have an open ear to what a young child would have to say because when a child tell you something at first and you know there's not much attention into it and you don't give them the answer they're looking for what happens is you know they just go out into the world and try to find the answers themselves so we just need to be very very attentive and you know give the children a lot of attention and you know try to help them in whichever way we can and fight with inside is solely a boxing program but they have you know gotten out of their way into developing other programs and that is you know that is just having a, a very very big impact on the communities you know it's stopping a lot of you know young children turning into very very bad children if i would put it in that way and you know they're just really really affecting the economy very very positively and um i would like to say thank you very much to to the to the fight with inside boxing program and to the founders and the, the sponsors coach luke mem sherry and coach anton and karen and all all the other people that are involved into changing the lives of this very very innocent children thank you for being a good friend joel thank you Absolutely, and I think we need to be asking young people, as you say, when we observe them, not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you.